Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence. Not with Victor King this week. Victor King has taken a break. Victor had a little bit of a hospitalization problem over Thanksgiving weekend. He's doing quite well, still in the hospital. And we will send our best regards from Victor along to you. He should be back in the saddle here in a couple of weeks or so. We hope to have him back before the end of the season. Nonetheless, I'll take over the reins on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And with that, I'll also be reviewing with you all of what happened last week in the world of college football take a look at what happened in the National Football League side of things as well. And as we always do, we'll hop out to Las Vegas and check with our good friend Dave Tooley and get the view on everything that's happening in Las Vegas. So having to fly solo of this week, I feel a little bit like I'm a solo pilot here without Victor King by my side. No over-under total numbers that we can report to you other than the fact that you do know from what Victor has passed on to you each and every week this football season, that the best of all these over-under totals this year has been these non-division primetime games at night where they've absolutely flown over the total. So keep that thought in mind when you're looking at over-unders this week, Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night, the primetime non-division games. You'll have three of them this particular week. Taking a look at what happened in the college football polls this past week, the ratings came out on Tuesday night as we do this show Wednesday mornings, and a little bit of a surprise. We've got one more playoff poll result to go. This Sunday evening, they'll be announcing the final four playoff teams, and with that, a lot of excitement and questions abound, but the polls that came out this week were a little bit head-scratching to me personally. And while we've knocked Florida State for what they haven't done on the football playing field this year, and I'm saying that a lot statistically and also a lot because of the close call manner in which they've won their football games, they slipped to number four in the polls this week. And I just can't believe, but for the life of me, how a team that's the defending national champion, a team that's won 28 games in a row, and in fact 33 of the last 34 football games, and they fall in the polls to another one-loss team out of the Big 12 Conference here. I'm only wondering whether or not this might be incentive for Florida State when they play Georgia Tech in their ACC battle this particular weekend. I did like the Georgia Tech side of the football game, but I'm going to have to put that on hold here just because of the falling of Florida State in these recent polls. It was also not a good week, if you will, for the Southeast Conference last week. And in fact, the Southeast Conference went head-to-head against the ACC last week, and they lost all four football games. They also lost a playoff contender, a Final Four playoff contender, when Mississippi State went down against Ole Miss. And had Auburn held on to that 33-21 to lead they had over Alabama in the second half of the season, it would have been absolute disaster for the Southeast Conference this week, knocking Alabama out of the top four, the King of all the college football conferences might not have had a team in the playoffs this year, and they still might not if Alabama loses this playoff game. But the bottom line, the Southeast Conference just 5-6 and six in head-to-head games against non-conference Power 5 opponents this football season. So what was the almighty Southeast Conference is becoming down to the level of just the common 
a man, the common opponent, if you will, the Southeast Conference struggling as we head into these playoffs. A little bit of cannibalization, if you will, because these teams are knocking each other off with regularity each and every week. We've seen Missouri on this major monster winning run here just disposing of teams in the Southeast Conference. The final tally from this poll by the playoff committee finds seven teams from the Southeast Conference in the top 25 followed by the Pac-12 Conference with six teams out of that conference. And right on their heels, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the ACC, all each with four teams inside the top 25 polls. And in fact, if you go inside these poll rankings this week, it's interesting to note that of the top 10 teams, three of them come out of the Big 12 Conference and only two out of the Southeast Conference. So a lot will be said with what happens this weekend in these college conference championship games. We'll keep a close eye on that. And remember, Sunday evening or Sunday afternoon at 1245 Eastern on ESPN will be the announcement of the four teams that make the first ever college football playoffs will be glued to the TV on ESPN on Sunday. Taking a look over at the National Football League side of things before I move on to our college football game of the week in the next segment here. I want to make note of this. We're into our final stretch drive of the National Football League portion of the season here. The final four weeks of the season. I've posted an article on our website about that particular situation and all about what happens in the National Football League team trends in the month of December. So you might want to do yourself a favor and check out our December team trends article on the website at playbook.com when you get ready for handicapping the football games from now until the end of the final regular season. In my weekly column at, on the USA Today Sports Weekly, I write a bet you did no column there each week throughout the National Football League season. What I focused on this particular week was largely about NFL dome teams playing outdoors in the month of December. And it's not a favorable situation, as you can quite well imagine. These climate-controlled football teams tend to struggle outdoors in the month of December. Keep that thought in mind, again, when handicapping the National Football League games moving forward from this point to the end of the season. I also made note inside that column about quarterbacks and their tendencies in the month of December. And the three that jumped out to me, now whether they're good or whether they're bad, whether they'll apply to your handicapping, can be, can be worked in and you can use it. You can also maybe use it to maybe not make a play against these teams. But here's what I noted about quarterbacks in the month of December. At the top of the list, Philip Rivers from San Diego, how about he's 30-6 and six in his 36 career starts in the month of December, including 20-1. and one in December when he takes on an opponent that's up a loss. So this is the month that Phillip Rivers shines for San Diego the month of December. Aaron Rodgers, no surprise, the Green Bay Packer quarterback, the number one rated quarterback in the league in quarterback rankings, is a perfect 9-0 straight up and of the spread at home in December when the Packers own a winning record. And the third and final note, on our column in the USA Today Sports Weekly this week is Tony Romo's lack of success in the month of December, which is well-known and well-documented. Inside those numbers, we know when he's been favored in the month of December, Tony Romo, just 4 and 16 to the spread. Don't you go away. When I come back, I'm going to share with you our college football game of the week. We've got a dandy inside. It's the Big Ten college football conference championship game. I'm going to tear that down between Ohio State and Wisconsin. That and a whole lot more to come here with Mark Lawrence against the spread right around the corner.
Don't make a move without your playbook. It's Mark Lawrence's Playbook Football Newsletter, the Football Handicappers Newsletter, filled with awesome angles, incredible stats, college and NFL game write-ups, and much, much more. Get your playbook now at 1-800-PLAYBOOK or visit playbook.com. Okay, everybody, welcome back once again. This is Mark Lawrence, and I'm going against the spread on this weekend's college and pro football card. If you just joined us, Victor King, our co-host on the show, was taken to the hospital Thanksgiving weekend. He's doing well. He's recovering right now. Victor had a bypass operation, and we're wishing him the very, very best in recovery. We'll be visiting with Victor a bit later on in the week, and I'll share with you his status as we continue on here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. This is the time for our college football game of the week segment. And as I mentioned, we're going to go inside the Big Ten Conference Championship game when the Ohio State Buckeyes take on Wisconsin in what should be a dandy of a football game. This is a key football game for both teams, obviously. The Ohio State Buckeyes sitting in the number five spot in the current playoff top 25 rankings. Wisconsin, the number 13 team in the rankings. This game probably a little bit more pivotal to Ohio State, if you will, as far as cracking into the uh, top four playoff teams than it is Wisconsin. A Wisconsin win would be self-serving, but I don't know if it'll be enough to get the two-loss team into the final four. So this is obviously a big, big game for the Ohio State Buckeyes as they come into the contest. Unfortunately for Ohio State, they're going to come in here without their star quarterback, JT Barrett, who last week broke his ankle and he's done for the season. And how devastating has the Ohio State quarterback situation been this season? All you need to do is ask Urban Meyer when he lost Heisman hopeful trophy quarterback winner Braxton Miller at the start of the season when he suffered a shoulder injury. So he's now down to his third string quarterback. That will be Cordell Jones. He's a quarterback that hails out of Cleveland Glenville High School. And for those of you who aren't aware, in the state of Ohio, Cleveland Glenville is probably right now the number one college or uh, high school football team. They sent a lot of players down to the National Football League, and Cordell Jones was the all-state number one quarterback when he was a quarterback at Glenville High School. He asked the big shoes to step in this particular week, though. The number one quarterback now the starting quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes this particular weekend. But it's also my contention here that when quarterbacks do step in like this, the team rallies around the quarterback. I'm sure Urban Meyer will not ask Cordell Jones to win this football game. The only thing he'll ask of him is not to lose the football game. I think you'll see a quite conservative game plan from Urban Meyer as far as Cordell Jones is concerned. Talking about Urban Meyer, he's been terrific in his career, his college football head coaching career, as an underdog 18 and 6 when he's either a pick or an underdog, including 6 and 1 straight up and 7 and 0 to the spread in his last seven tries in a pick or underdog role, dating back to 2003. Look inside the series in our history book, we note that the last 46 games between Ohio State and Wisconsin has found the Buckeyes favored in 44 of those 46 football games. The two times that they were the underdog, the Buckeyes won both of those games in straight-up fashion. Buckeyes are also the only team in the country this year that has outyarded every opponent they've played on the field in the statistics this football season. That's quite an accomplishment. The Buckeyes are the only team that are perfect in the stats thus far this football season. Take a look at the Wisconsin Badgers. Gary Anderson's done a terrific job with this football program here. He came over from Utah State, and he filled in big time for Brett Bielma, who moved on to Arkansas. Anderson brought a lot of good numbers over to him from Utah State, and it's been nothing 
disappointing at all since he arrived with the Badgers. A nine-win team last year. They lost a bowl game. They lost to South Carolina in the Capital One Bowl game last year, but still a nine-win effort in his first season, battling here in contention for the Big 12 championship this particular season. Interesting to note, inside of our database, I put up Gary Anderson. I looked at him and how he performs against teams that have a better record than his team does. He's surprisingly done quite well. Opponents with better records, Gary Anderson steps up to the plate, 18-8-1 to the spread in those particular games. This is a Wisconsin football team that's also been in the Big 12 Conference Championship game two other times, those being back in 2011 and 2012. They won both of those football games but failed to cover the spread in each game. Or I shouldn't say they won both football games. The truth of the matter, yes, they did. They won both football games. They lost as a favorite, and they won straight up as an underdog. So here's Wisconsin in this championship game, 2-0 and straight up in this particular game, but a win as an underdog and a loss to the spread as a favorite. Wisconsin also comes in with the number two ranked defense in the world of FBS football, allowing just 261 yards a game. Surprisingly, on the other side, the Ohio State Buckeye defense is number 20 in the country in total team defense. Everybody looks at the Buckeyes and thinks about their offense, but their defense brings a lot to the table here, ranked number 20 in the nation in total team defense. I think if Victor were sitting here alongside of me this particular week, my only guess is he'd probably lean to the under in this football game, and for no other reason that you've got the number two and number 20 ranked teams in total defense locking horns in this football game in what figures to be a lot of rushing attempts with Urban Meyer again playing a little bit more conservative in this game, and we know what Wisconsin will do. They'll try and pound the ball down the Buckeyes' throats. So I'm going to guess Victor would probably be touting the under as far as the over-under goes in this football game. The bottom line to me in this contest when I look at this game is a little bit of surprise to see the Buckeyes, the underdog here, yes, and it's all because of the loss of Barrett, J.T. Barrett, the quarterback. But you're taking a look here now at an Ohio State football team that is 16-1 straight up in Big Ten games since Urban Meyer has been on the scene. They lost in the title game championship game last year to Michigan State when they were upset. We also note that inside the series history of the Big Ten conference championship games, this being only the fourth time that the Big Ten has been involved in playoffs like this, the favorite has yet to cover the spread. They're 1-2 and two straight up and 0-3 oh and to the spread all-time are favorites in Big Ten conference championship games. To me, some way, somehow, Urban Meyer gets the job done again this Saturday. If he doesn't win this football game, I feel he'll at least make an effort and keep this game right down to the wire. My feeling is the team that scores last wins the contest. With that, I have to grab the four points with Ohio State as my side in the Big Ten Conference Championship game this Saturday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread of the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. Don't you go away. When I come back, I'll tear down with you our National Football League game of the week. And what a dandy we've got inside the NFC Conference this Sunday when the Seattle Seahawks travel to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. That and a whole lot more to come here with Mark Lawrence against the spread. make a move without your playbook it's mark lawrence's playbook football newsletter the football handicappers newsletter filled with awesome angles incredible stats and much much more get your playbook now at 1-800-PLAYBOOK or visit playbook.com 
Okay, everybody, welcome back once again after our brief segment break here. It's Mark Lawrence going against the spread on this weekend's football card, doing it without Victor King. As I mentioned, Victor is listening to the podcast now. He couldn't be here with us as he's had a bypass surgery operation on Thanksgiving Thursday. But we're glad to say that Victor's in good health right now, recovering, and we look forward to having Victor back behind the microphone, hopefully sometime before now and the end of the month. Taking a look now at our National Football League Game of the Week segment, we got a dandy on tap, as I mentioned. The Seattle Seahawks travel to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles in what quite well be a preview of the NFC Championship game this year. These two top teams locking horns in this football game. Seattle comes in with the number one ranked defense in all of the National Football League, much like they were last year, allowing just 285 yards a game. The database also reminds us here that defending Super Bowl champions, as are the Seattle Seahawks, they tend to struggle in non-division road games. This is going back all the way to 1980. These defending Super Bowl champions on the road in non-division games are just 47 and 70 against the spread. Seattle's also comes into here in this football game, uh, knowing that they're coming in here in this contest one and five straight up. And 1-6 to the spread also. I see 1-5 straight up in ATS all time when they're off a straight-up underdog win and they're locking horns against the NFC East. Not a favorable role, if you will, for Seattle this particular week, despite the fact that they do bring that top-ranked defense into this football contest. On the flip side, the Philadelphia Eagles come into the football game with a number four-ranked offense, averaging 416 yards of football game. So this will be like in baseball, pitching against hitting, the offense against the defense, who prevails on Sunday. We also take a look here, coming in this contest here, that the Seattle Seahawks are in the middle of what we call a classic division sandwich. That means that Seattle comes in here of back-to-back division wins, and they have back-to-back division games on deck. Check out the Playbook Football Newsletter this week, and it'll tell you all about the results in this particular classic division sandwich. Not a favorable role for the Seattle Seahawks in this contest. The Philadelphia Eagles, in their own right, are in a sandwich, if you will. They're in the middle of a cowboy sandwich off of the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving Thursday, having the Dallas Cowboys winning up on decks for their next game. And looking inside these numbers, how often has Philadelphia been in this cowboy sandwich? Since 1980, two times have the they dressed up in a cowboy sandwich, and to their credit, the Philadelphia Eagles are 2-0 straight up and against the spread in the middle of a Dallas Cowboy sandwich situation. Philadelphia also comes into this game 5-1 to the spread with revenge against the NFC West when they're coming in off a straight-up underdog win. Again, the bottom line to me in this football contest is from our database, I took a look at Thanksgiving Day, what happens on Thanksgiving Day Thursday games as both of these teams come in off of performances last Thanksgiving Thursday. What we found is that home teams off Thanksgiving Day Thursday victories of 20 or more points, those teams go home after Thanksgiving Thursday off that big 20 or more point win. It's happened seven times since 1980. All seven home teams have won and covered the spread, meaning that momentum carries forward with these football teams after a big Thanksgiving Day feast on Thursday. With that, it all signs point to the Philadelphia Eagles in this football game, and I'm not going to fade our database in those powerful numbers. Numbers. I'll take the Philadelphia Eagles for my side in this big showdown football game on Sunday. And with that, it's time to hop out to Las Vegas now as we check in with our good friend Dave Tooley, the proprietor at viewfromvegas.com. Dave is also an author at ESPN.com. You can visit Tuesdays with Tuleys online at ESPN.com. And the first thing I need to know, Dave, 
is how much whipped cream did you put on your pumpkin pie this Thanksgiving Thursday? Oh, yeah, plenty of whipped cream and yeah, pl- plenty of pie. Uh, went over to the neighbor's house and had uh, every different variety of pie I could think of uh, after already being stuffed. So, uh, yeah, it was certainly well fed on, uh, on Thanksgiving. You know, Thanksgiving Thursday also, Dave, was a big day in the National Football League, a triple header, if you will, of games. And it was also the first Thanksgiving Thursday with three games involving all three games with exclusive NFC teams. And I had uh, spoken with Jay Cornegay at the Superbook and uh, in a column that I write for the USA Today Sports Weekly. I was asking about what sort of action that they that's taken down in Vegas on Thanksgiving Thursday as opposed to uh, Sundays. And uh, it was interesting to find out his take that it's really a, a quite heavily bet Thursday on Thanksgiving Thursday. Do you find that to be the case in town on Thursdays or is it more people staying home for the holidays? Uh, no, it, it's a very big betting day. Um, yeah, I went. I went down there uh, Thursday morning to put in super contest plays and, and also shopping around for some bets. And I, I think a lot of people are like me too, where yeah, you you plan your Thanksgiving meal later in the afternoon, you know, especially Vegas time. And so yeah, in in the morning, people are uh, that are into sports betting are doing their regular thing. And yeah, with that triple header on on Thanksgiving Day, it, uh, yeah, the, the the lines were were, were pretty big uh, that morning. There was also, I think, uh, probably some pretty good support. We talked about favorites usually being bet on Thanksgiving Day, but uh, Jay sort of seemed to think that with the with the matchups being what they were last Thursday, all pretty good competitive matchups that maybe there wouldn't be as much chalk being bet that Thanksgiving Thursday as there normally was. But you know, the bottom line is it was all entertaining football games on Thursday, and it also sounds like it was an entertaining day for you with all that extra whipped cream and pumpkin pie that was available as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, the, yeah, the games, uh, the final scores ended up not being uh, competitive, but uh, yeah, they, like, like you said, the, uh, it was very well balanced uh, both sides, and yeah, I'm sure the books were happy with the handle. And uh, on the ESPN chalk page, uh, my colleague uh, David Purdom wrote about how uh, in October the Nevada Gaming Control Board uh, released figures that uh, record amount of betting handle in October, and I, and I think we're going to see that carry over in, into uh, November. I'm, it's a good chance that that record might not uh, last very long at all. Yeah, it seems to be that way with uh, you know the record amount of entries in the Superbook contest. That ninety over ninety nine uh, million dollars bet on the Super Bowl last year, that being a record as well. It looks like uh, sports wagering is at an all time peak and an all time high, and it looks like it's only going to keep getting better and bigger and bigger. And speaking about uh, those football games, Dave, uh, and some of those games that played last Thursday. Any major moves you saw on this week's football card before I get a recap of what happened in the Superbook contest? Any major moves that you've seen what the LVH sent out the Superbook from last week going into this weekend's games? Yeah, there's not a, a ton of moves. I mean, there's there's a lot of, you know, as we're talking, you know, as we're taping Wednesday morning, um, there's a lot of lines that still haven't settled, um, you know, especially the ones that are on, like, key number of three uh, Dolphins Ravens uh, that that one was looking like it was going to be a solid uh, Dolphins favored by three, but with the Dolphins struggling against the Jets, uh, I definitely seeing some Raven support there. So now we're seeing a mixture of two and a half and three. Uh, Bengals in the Steelers that one was looking like it was going to be three and a half or even four some places. That's what it opened on Sunday at the Westgate. Uh, now we're seeing it being closer down to a three uh, with some three and a halfs out there. Uh, one the the biggest line that's moved by number of points is actually the the Rams and the Redskins. Uh, that one was Pickham on the advance line at the Westgate last week. 
Um, the Westgate put it up uh, one and a half. Uh, Rams favored um, after they played their uh, third straight good game in a row. Um, they, they were for a while there going back and forth, one good, one bad. But now that lines up to you know two and a half and has even hit a three at some spots. But uh, and like I said, mo- most of the lines this week are, are fairly solid, but uh, a lot of them are still uh, settling into place midweek. Okay, we'll wait and see what happens with those lines as we get uh, closer and closer to game time to see what movements are. But like Dave mentioned, there's a lot of games that are settling around a key number right now. And when those key numbers are in play, uh, it's always almost always a late move of sorts to see which way those are going to end up going. And Dave, speaking about uh, going in the uh, contest in Las Vegas, uh, I talked to you before we went on the air that the leader had a good week last week and has widened his league in the contest. Let our listeners know what happened in the Superbook contest as you that information you picked up last week as well. Yeah, we've been, we've been talking about him for the last couple of weeks. Uh, Ch Ballers. Um, hasn't uh, hasn't hasn't surfaced. A lot of times, the super contest leader will uh, you know be shouting from the mountaintops or posting on Twitter who he is and and, and bragging and and looking for publicity. But uh, this this uh, leader has stayed under the uh, the radar, which I can't really blame him. Uh, the last two times I interviewed people for my uh, Tule, Tuesdays with Thule column on ESPN.com, uh, those, those two former leaders. Uh, have, have fallen by the wayside. So uh, he politely declined an interview when I <laughs> I put out the word to Jay Cornegate at the Westgate that I was hoping to reach him. And uh, so he said, uh, thanks, but no thanks. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> CH Ballers uh, hitting over 75%, uh, 49, wow. uh, 49 uh, wins on the season. And it's uh, got a three-game lead over the uh, the second-place uh threesome which are, are also over 70 percent so i mean f- for the most part a lot of the consensus plays have been hitting really strong this year uh they're at 60 percent uh heading into last week exactly at the um i think it was uh 33 and 22 no you know it was 36 and 24 it was another three and two week last week so yeah they're 60 percent but uh, this past week uh, the top five consensus went one and four and uh, a lot a lot of uh Players struggled. The overall consensus was was only six and ten. So a lot of people did, didn't make up ground this week. Yet uh, Ch Ballers, the leader, <laughs> was able to find a four and one out of all that mess. So wow. uh, yeah, keeps rolling along. Uh, one of the guys in second, D Gen Chat, uh, went five and zero oh last week uh, to make a big move. So yeah, it's uh, getting really interesting at the top. But uh, yeah, still four weeks to go. And uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll be following those leaders. And then uh, personally, I'm looking forward to the mini contest over the last three weeks that <laughs> starts a week from now. <laughs> I'm right with you there, Dave. <laughs> yeah. It looks like this, this big lead that uh, uh, there's 49 wins by CH Ballers. Uh, what is, do you know right off the top of your head, uh, the record win percentage in, in this contest? I, know, I don't think anybody's ever hit 75%. I'm going to best guess that. Uh, no, yeah, the record was 2011. Um, it was a foursome of golf buddies went by the name of San Suchi. Uh, oh, Brady, three years yeah, ago. Right. And yeah, Brady Cannon and his and his friends. Uh, yeah, they uh, they had 16 and a half points. For, yeah, for people that don't know, you get one point for a win and half a point for a push. And a w- strange thing this year, <laughs> there hasn't been a single push against the Super Contest number through the first 13 weeks. <laughs> so so wow. everybody has an even number of points right now. But uh, yeah, they finished with 16 and a half points. Um, now, they had five pushes that season, uh, but they were 72 and a half percent against the spread when you take away those pushes. So um, 
it was that was at 58 and uh, 22 <laughs> i believe it works out wow. too and uh, so yeah uh, ch ballers only has to hit about 60% from here on out to break that record so obviously that's never easy to do but it would actually be a fall off from what he's been doing uh, lately We'll keep an eye on what happens with the CH Ballers if they can take a run after Sansucci's record that was set, as Dave mentioned, in 2011. And before I let you go, Dave, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you your complimentary play on the NFL card this week. You come up big with the New Orleans Saints last week in their straight-up road win last week. I know you've got some sort of a live dog, if not a home dog, on tap this week as well. Oh, you're right on the home dog. Um, Live dog is uh, another question because I'm going to jump on the team that just got smoked 52 to nothing. There (laughs) Uh, you go. The the Raiders, I mean, it's been a crazy season for them. Obviously, they're 1-11 straight up, looking at the number one draft pick. But they're 6-6 against the spread, and they tend to play their best against the best teams. Now, the question, you know, you know, comes up. I mean, you know, they beat the Chiefs, and then they get get blown up by the Rams. Now, w- which teams of those is the 49ers closer to? Now, um, I'm kind of banking on the fact that they're not playing well, but those are not the teams the Raiders play best against. But I'm hoping that just the fact that the 49ers have been so inconsistent uh, keeps the Raiders in the game here. Because, I mean, the 49ers, you watch their games and you hear the announcers talk about how old Frank Gore, he's so great here, Colin Kaepernick, dual threat. Um, Anquan Bolden gets better with age, Vernon Davis. I mean, I mean, all you hear about is how great all these players are. And then you look up at the scoreboard at the end of the game and what well, they scored 10 against the Rams, uh, three against the Seahawks, uh, only 16 against the Giants. So, I mean, it's hard for a team like that to cover eight point spread on the road here. So I'm, I'm going to jump on the, the uh, you know, plug my nose and take the ugly uh, home dog here with the Raiders. Dave Tooley grabs that big clothespin again and takes the Oakland Raiders, the ugly dog here. And uh, I'm just going to mention here that uh, in the newsletter this week, the Playbook Newsletter, we called out the fact that that big loss that Oakland suffered, when teams lose 44 to nothing or worse in the National Football League, as uh, obviously Oakland did in that particular game, when they go home in the next game, it's happened eight times since 1985, and all eight teams have brought home the money, eight no to the spread. So a lot of good technical support there for Dave, a lot of good logical reasoning for Dave. We'll see if the Oakland Raiders don't make it two in a row for Dave Tooley for his complimentary play on the show this week. Great job on the show once again this week, Dave. I'm going to wish you the best of luck this week, and I'll look forward to visiting with you. Next week, we'll talk a little bit about the college football playoffs. We'll have those final four teams. We can talk about how those teams got there and what impact they have in Vegas. I'll look forward to doing that when I visit with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All right. Thanks, Mark. And, and, and definitely uh, want to say you know, best wishes to, to Victor as well. And I hope we talk to, talk to him soon. I'll pass the wishes along, and thanks again, Dave. Have a great week. All right, that was Dave Tooley. That was Dave Tooley joining us from ViewFromVegas.com, also from ESPN.com. Don't you go away. When I come back, I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week on the football show and my complimentary play as well with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Mark Lawrence for the playbook, easily the winningest football newsletter in the nation. Filled with on-the-money best bet winners, awesome angles, and tremendous trends each week throughout the football season, it's vital information you can't do without. Get smart, get playbook, get every edge imaginable. Log on today for a copy of this week's Playbook Football Newsletter now at playbook.com or call 1-800-PLAYBOOK today. Uh 
now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome Angle of the Week. All right, guys, let's get down to it. It's our awesome Angle of the Week in college football this week with all the college football conference championship games taking place. Our awesome Angle this week is titled Big Mac Attack. And what we're looking to do is to play against any MAC conference favorite in its conference championship game if they're off back-to-back straight-up wins. Simply put, any favorite in a MAC football game that's off back-to-back wins in these games, they've gone just 1-9-2 and two against the spread. You turn that around play against these teams, it's a 90% winning angle. With that, we'll play against Northern Illinois in their MAC conference championship game on Friday for our awesome angle play on the football card this week. And before I get to my complimentary play on the football show with you, I want to share with you the fact that we have coming off a dynamite November to remember this past November. Our late phone executive football service was 19-7-1 overall for the month of November. That netted a profit of $3,510 for all the clients that joined us at only $100 per star on our star ratings. The good news, the better news, is that our double 10-star December kicks off this weekend. That will include every college and NFL football play I make from this weekend through January 1st. The January 1st bowl games included will be our 10-star NFL game of the year play, our 10-star college football bowl game of the year, all college and football NFL football plays till January 1st, including the bowl games. Get on board now to join me for double 10-star December. When you do, you'll also receive this weekend my college football conference championship play of the year. It's all included with double 10-star December. To take advantage, simply log on to the website now at playbook.com or give me a call toll-free at 1-800-321-7777. I'll take care and sign you up for double 10-star December or Another $99 football weekend of winners. Take your choice. Either way, call me toll-free next at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football card this Saturday in college football, we're going to take a look at the Houston Cougars when they take on the Cincinnati Bearcats in this football matchup here. These are two teams who will be watching in a bowl game come postseason this year. Cincinnati Bearcats need to win this football game to finish in what could be a three-way try championship for first place in the AAC, but with that comes the pressure of having to win a football game to do just that. That three-way tie will depend largely upon what happened in Thursday's Central Florida-East Carolina game, so it could be a dual championship or a three-way championship. Either way, Cincinnati needs the win to finish atop the AAC, and the way they'll break down the tiebreaker in the AAC will not be in head-to-head play this year, it'll be whichever one of these teams that finish in a tie is ranked higher in the final poll rankings by the playoff committee here. So that'll be determined in the fate of the poll committee, which team from the AAC will represent that conference in a New Year's Day bowl game. The Houston Cougars come into this football game having excelled thus far this football season. They beat the other champion in the conference. Memphis is also a co-champion atop the AAC. Houston went into Memphis and beat them 28-24 to earlier this year as seven-point dogs. And that ties in perfectly with Tony Levine's record since he's been the head coach at Houston. He's 7-1 to the spread as a dog with the Cougars, including a perfect 5-0 and to the spread when he's been taking points on the road in conference plays. With 
Cincinnati already having eight wins in the season, an eighth win for Houston would look mighty impressive on their bowl resume. With that, we'll grab the points with the Houston Cougars for my complimentary play on Saturday's football card. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I'm going to thank Victor King and wish him well in his recovery. Also, a big thanks to Dave Tooley from ViewFromVegas.com for joining us and our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always. <laughs>